AthensAthens.com and the Athens Banner Herald. This is the Georgia Bulldogs podcast. Bulldogs Extra. Now, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Welcome in to the Bulldogs Extra Podcast, the number one ranked podcast that covers Georgia. I was going to say, this is the uh, number one podcast in the nation now, right? Uh, did you know we, we were ranked that? We, we had a good podcast last week, and another podcast that, Lost. Will, that will remain <laughs> nameless, they did not have a good podcast. So we moved up to the top spot. Yeah. And uh, do you have a little, uh, you know, this is not like a morning DJ show. You, you don't have a sound effect to give us some cheers. I'll like try one, but yeah, it might, might be. Uh... I might be able to sneak one in there. Listen, listen later, Mark, and uh, see if I All right. put it in. There. Ryan, by the way, how are you handling that number one ranking? And is pressure a privilege? Uh, pressure is always a privilege, Kirby and uh, Chase Elliott and whoever else wants that's to copy Billie Jean B- King. B- Billie Jean King, that's <laughs> yeah. right, yeah. No, I know, I know. Uh, in fact, you know, I was watching the U.S. Open this year, and right uh, there... There you go, you just lost every listener. <laughs> every, uh, every, you know, where, where, you walk, where the players walk in and out was that big... Uh, quote said Billy Jean King under it, and I was thinking, I wonder how many people are like, no, that's Kirby Smart. That's Kirby Smart that said that. I think I think Kirby gave props to her at he one did. point. You're yeah. right. Yeah. You're right. But hey, I mean, yeah, the uh, pressure is always a privilege, and now there's never been any more than currently for the Georgia Bulldogs, who face number 11 Kentucky this week. Mm, I, I don't really agree with your whole premise there. Um, I would say there would be a lot more pressure when they went up against Alabama a couple times in some really big games. Uh, home game against Kentucky, although they are 6-0. And Speaking of Kentucky, we will be talking to John Hale from the Louisville Courier-Journal, who covers the Wildcats, give us some insight, some perspective on them. But yeah, I mean, this is a uh, interesting 6-0, 4-0 SEC matchup uh, between the first-ranked Georgia Bulldogs, number 11, Kentucky, and... College game day coming back again. Was that, that surprise to you, wasn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, a couple things, though, on that is that uh, you don't usually see them coming back two weeks after they were just here. Right. And also... Um, well, the way the last game went. Well, they like to spread the wealth. And Cincinnati, I thought, would maybe get it since they are... I think Are they in the top five this week? Four? Something like that? Yeah. Um, I thought it would be a chance for them. But I think the fact that they did a great rating here a couple weeks ago, you know, was enough to, to bring them here. Um, and also, I, I thought that they wouldn't want to necessarily promote a CBS game. Well, yeah. But I, I guess, you know, when they... Pick the biggest one. What well, they did Notre Dame a couple years ago, CBS. Maybe yeah. maybe Pollock has it in his contract. If I can get up and, and be there in fifteen minutes, uh, <laughs> yeah. it would be a good thing. Yeah, uh, um, that that did surprise me though. And you know the fact that uh, Myers Quad always gets packed out. I guess they're not doing the whole drive down to Sanford since uh, it's not a noon game. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and also SEC Nations here. They're going to be at the Special Collections Library. I think it is the, yeah, so the lawn out there. Go flick fine bombs ears or anything. You can uh, go over to that one. Oh, is that something you do? <laughs> I, I wouldn't touch it. Um, yeah. I mean, so. I, don't, I mean, I, th- I think they'll be fine in handling the number one thing. I mean, you know, they can downplay it all week, and then after the game you might hear Kirby say, guys, you don't know how tough it is, and everyone's saying you're number I mean, I don't know what he's going to say about it. But um, I think the fact that they just faced, you know, it's pretty much the same scenario in that you had a, a top-10 Arkansas team coming in here a couple weeks ago, and George obviously uh, dealt with that well, and the, the crowd was jacked up. It, uh, you think they, uh, the crowd can reach uh, the levels that they did uh, two weeks ago? I mean, you'd think it'd be even higher, right? Being a 330 game, got yeah, a little but, more. Yeah, but Kirby hadn't called on them to be 
be crazy. And, right, but he knows he Kirby's so smart with us, right? Or you know, at least he uh, he gets how it, how it all works, you know, because in the past. The thing is, though, in the past, a noon game would be for a uh, Louisiana Monroe right, or something, right, right, right? right? So, you know, but uh, so fans would kind of trickle in, especially you look across uh, from where we sit and kind of the upper deck area there is not as full. So Kirby knew he needed to call people in, get them loud, get them rowdy and all, and they did. I don't think you ever have to do that for a 3.30 game. That is the primetime slot for college football, especially in the SEC. Now, will that disappear when the ESPN takes over? Well, no, no, we'll see. But – for years, that CBS 3:30 spot has been the game. Everybody shows up, everybody gets rowdy, and uh, Kirby doesn't have to call on them. Uh, kind of the same with that 8 p.m. you know spot. If it's a uh, Notre Dame coming into town, or if Georgia were to play Alabama, and it was that 8 p.m. game, you don't have to call fans in. They know they know what's going on. All right, all we got left after this one in terms of home games is Missouri on November 6, Charleston Southern November 20th. I'm guessing Missouri would be a night game. Why is that? Well, who else are they going against there? Say what? Well, I mean, why? Why, why do they, I say that? Yeah. Because Georgia's had one night game this year, right? I mean, they South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it, I can see that being a noon. Did you? Couldn't you? No, I don't know. Charleston Southern will be an, uh, an early kick, I guess, and it will. It's. I think that's going to be a game that's going to be required to be on the ESPN Plus, which is you know not on the over the air. The only uh, they're doing that, I think, with one game a year per team, mm-hmm. and so that will be that. But anyway, Kentucky. Um, what do you uh, do? You know about uh, Will Levis, their quarterback? I mean, I know he came in from what Penn State, right? Because uh, you know, transferred in, playing pretty well. Do you know uh, the peculiar stuff going on with him? No, do fill me in. I think he's got a deal where he likes to eat banana skins. That's weird. Yeah, and also uh, mayo and coffee. Oh, uh, like together? No, no, these are two different. <laughs> two, two, yeah, yeah, mayo and coffee. Like he puts together. a dollop of Daisy in his. Uh, I don't know in his coffee. I, mean, I hadn't really been following it too much, but. I feel like that's been kind of um, a uh, viral thing for him. I'm going to search up Will that's, Levis and bananas and see what I get, okay? Oh, God. That's, Here we go. That's gross. Levis, uh, this is from uh, AL.com. Levis, who was named to Kentucky starting quarterback, took to social media to show off his uncanny ability and wasting no time to eat a banana. He posted a TikTok of himself eating a rotten banana without peeling it. Well, so how <laughs> many how many wrong things can you do in a TikTok, right? It's rotten. You're eating the entire thing, peeling all. I mean, this dude's a little a little weird. Can you get back to the coffee and the, the coffee as I'm mix? holding as I'm All holding right. black right, coffee go. in my hand? This is from um, uh, let's see. This is from something called prweek.com. In the, this is also in TikTok. In the viral video posted October first, Kentucky Wild, Wildcats quarterback Will Levis squirts some Hellman's mayonnaise into his coffee and drinks it. I mean, is that, that's just for show, right? You can't enjoy that. You don't get up in the morning, make yourself a uh, you know a thing of uh, McCafe coffee or something, and then you know put a dollop of, of, of which mayo of the, in there. So, which of those two things would you be more apt to want to do? I don't know. My stomach's turning a little bit just <laughs> thinking about it right now. Uh, I, I mean, a rotten banana peel sounds horrible. I mean, with, I guess I'd I'm, have to do the coffee yeah, thing. Yeah, I go with that too. Because you could probably get some sort of flavor out of the mayo. Ah, moving on. I mean, there's so many things you can put in a coffee, so I don't think mayo's too out of the extreme. Basically, I mean, you know. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, if you really get it's a dairy to product, thinking, isn't, it? isn't it? A dairy product? Yeah, I guess so. Oh God. <laughs> um, 
I don't know if you you've watched Kentucky much this year, but uh, you know, w- watching the LSU game, I mean, he's an impressive. Uh, I think he's turned the ball over too much, but um, has some wheels. Um, and they, uh, it's a different type of offense. They brought in a coordinator from the uh, the Rams. Uh, you know, we, we talk uh, you know to John about that, but and of course, Penn State could have used him last week in the uh, backup role when they could not find any offense after their starting quarterback went down against Iowa. Yeah, I didn't know the whole story there, but uh, I guess I heard that Iowa uh, went to the victory formation um, before yeah. they actually should have because they felt so so confident about it. Yes, they, they left about 40 seconds, I think, on the clock and punted down to about the 10 or so, and they were like, eh, we got it. All right, Georgia coming off a 34-10 win at Auburn. We're uh, several days, obviously, out from that. Ryan, what st- stood out to you about the Bulldogs win and what uh, what do you make of Stetson Bennett Georgia's starting quarterback well that's what I was going to say is that's, that's what stood out to me I mean you didn't uh, you know you didn't fully rely on Stetson you ran the ball real well but when uh, Stetson had to throw it man he was throwing it well and how about Lad McConkey? I mean a guy you you know he joined the program uh, kind of last minute type of you know, scholarship signee and thought, well, this will be a scout team guy that'll, you know, give the, the uh, defense a good look. And then all of a sudden he's out here running past Auburn defensive backs. I mean, I never would have seen that coming. But, yeah, I think that's what just stood out to me. You know, Stetson's poise and, and you go into a raucous environment and he just, uh, you know, never wavered and, and had an incredible game. 14 of 21, 231 yards, passing two touchdowns, six rushes, 41 yards, 30-yard run, the longest for the Bulldogs. And on, it should have been a touchdown. <laughs> on the day, um, some very effective play-action passing um, with McConkey in particular. Um, and, you know, obviously you need to have the running game cranked up to do that. And um, before we talk about that, I mean, it looks like just based on what Kirby Smart said uh, Tuesday after practice, Wednesday, midday, um, you know, this looks like Stetson's game again, um, you know, unless there's some kind of subterfuge. Uh, but Daniels is on a pitch count, uh, according to Ron Corson via Kirby and um, did about, um, I don't know, remember what the number was, but, you know, was it 40-ish passes, uh, not longer than 30 yards on Monday and then dialed it back on Tuesday. Um, you know, I think that the plan it seems to be, uh, you know, you haven't played the last two games. You sit out this one would be three games. You have the bye week would be four weeks or about or so, something like that. And then you have Florida. So, you know, see what happens with Stetson this week. Um, or or maybe it doesn't matter what Stetson does. Maybe they're planning to come back with JT as a starter for, for Jacksonville. Well, you know, you keep hearing, is is there a controversy? Is there a QB controversy? I, mean, I, I don't want, Where are you hearing that? I'm not hearing that. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean... If, if I mean, I think people are talking about it. I, I mean, I, you know, a controversy would be like if, you know, I mean, I think everybody thinks that JT Daniels uh, can lead Georgia to a national championship if he's healthy, um, you know, or, or he's given no reason so far to, to say that he hasn't. He's unbeaten as a starter. Um, it's, you know, more of a question to me about, you know, do you want to make a change when if, if Stetson comes out and performs the same way against Kentucky, you know, I think it's a little bit interesting. I mean, certainly there'll be conversations between Kirby and Todd Munkin about it. Well, that's what I was saying. Like, you know, if, if he keeps playing the way that he's been playing and Georgia keeps rolling opponents and you don't, you know, you don't need JT Daniels in there, right? I mean, uh, obviously, I think we know the talent. You know, who's got more talent? But, um, I mean, do you mix up, you mess up a good thing with, with Stetson running the, running the offense? I, don't, I mean, I don't know that you do. Well, 
I mean, well, it wasn't that JT was uh, not doing well. I mean, he, uh, you know, obviously against Vanderbilt, you know, they were up 35 nothing before you could blink an eye hardly. So I think with whoever they put back there, Bulldogs would be okay. I mean, uh, you know, it's kind of an unspoken thing, but maybe Georgia coaches, um, you know, want to see. Um, you know, kind of the fire in JT's eye to to say I want this job back, and and not back because he hadn't lost it, but like, you know, when he's able to perform, you know, at full go in practice, you know, then maybe that's when they really have um, a decision to make. If there is one now, you know, people say that you know JT can make throws, uh, third down throws, and and uh, you know, just just give them a dimension that Stetson doesn't or hasn't or didn't last year against Alabama and Florida. Um, you know, we'll see how it plays out. We talked about uh, Lad McConkey earlier. You know, between him and Dan Jackson, um, these guys have taken advantage of opportunities when others have been injured. McConkey in particular climbed up the depth chart when you had, you know, Kyrus Jackson out um, with his knee injury. And you've seen, I don't know, there's a half dozen guys that it seems like a wide receiver. Of course, Pickens being the biggest one. Right. Um, and then, you know, you still haven't seen Don Blalock back, Arian Smith sideline, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint. You might see some of those guys come back this week. Um, but McConkey, you know, continues. And I, and I did a story on him after the Vanderbilt game. Um, I, I can't remember if it was either his father or his high school coach said, you know, it's not just going to be Vanderbilt. You know, he's going to be doing this, you know, against all the opponents and, and certainly against Auburn. That was the case. Dan Jackson takes advantage of Christopher Smith uh, going out with a shoulder injury and played the rest of the game. Basically, uh, at, at safety, leads the team with six tackles. We saw him the week before with a block punt against Arkansas. Saw him playing a significant number of snaps against Clemson. So, um, you know, that's obviously a big surprise um, to see uh, this walk on, um, you know, kind of move up and Kirby said uh, a couple weeks ago that Jackson was like 16th I, I guess he was talking about the entire DB room if you had to rank them like 1 to 16 and then he moved up to 8th and then he was 6th or 5th so that's quite a climb Hey I mean all it takes is an opportunity and you know get in there and I, I think you mentioned in your story about you know last uh, G-Day game you know he has an interception everybody's like oh scrub time gets an interception and the next thing you know yeah against Clemson you're looking at out there and hey there's Dan Jackson on the field like like what's the headline uh, where did he come from type of deal and uh, you know it's always good stories like that Speaking of injuries, Broderick Jones stepped in for uh, Jamari Sawyer, um, who seemed to be limited in practice this week. We'll see uh, what that looks like Saturday. Um, you know, an ankle injury for Jamari. Maybe if you can keep him out and let that thing get better, uh, if you can get by with Broderick this week. I mean, I thought he obviously they ran the ball very well. Um, so we'll see how, how that plays out. Let's talk about the running game quickly before we, uh, we bring in our guest. Uh, Zamir White. 79 yards on 18 carries, two touchdowns. Um, they fed him the week before as well against Arkansas. Do you think um, that he should, you know, continue to be the workhorse? No, I mean, I think they have their rotation. Uh, you he know. had twice as many carries as the next guy, which is Kendall. Well, Miller. I mean, would you call that a workhorse? To me, a workhorse is like twenty-nine carries. Well, for I mean, two hundred yards. I mean, he for Georgia's backfield, eighteen carries is a workhorse. Well, okay. Well, I, I don't. I mean, to me, I, I still think you know, you see Cook in there, you see, uh, you know, Kendall. Uh, you know, I, I feel like. Well, they, they, they still got their rotation going. And, um, you know, I think Zamir is your, your number one guy there. But uh, I think, you know, they've done a good job through the first, uh, you know, uh, half of the season of really 
rotating guys so they're fresh right now and uh you know maybe it is a, a, a thing where zamir gets you know the double the load going forward but he's fresh because of the the rotation that they've been doing so far this year and uh you know i think whoever they put in there is going to do pretty well to be quite honest with you all right, let's talk a little bit more about Kentucky, Georgia, and then we'll, we'll co- come back with uh, a little bit more talk about the Bulldogs and our picks uh, right after this. All right, let's talk more about this uh, Kentucky-Georgia matchup with uh, Louisville Courier-Journal Kentucky beat writer John Hale. John, uh, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, John, I think it was 2018. We went up to Lexington uh, to cover a Georgia-Kentucky game. It was a winner-take-all for the SEC East. Um, last couple of years, Kentucky was, was uh, down a little bit uh, compared to, obviously, that season. How have they gotten back in this position where they have a, a pretty significant game on a Saturday in Athens? Yeah, it's, it's kind of actually been the you know, perfect confluence of events here for them because obviously, as evidenced by the 2018 season, they ended up going 10-3 and that year, won the Citrus Bowl over Penn State. That was their first 10-win season in 40 years, so that kind of was this high mark for the program, and the question was whether that was sustainable or whether it was going to dip back. Obviously, 2019, the next year, they have a bunch of quarterback injuries. It looks really bleak halfway through the season, and they move Lynn Bowden from wide receiver to quarterback, and he just you know does some otherworldly things in the second half of the season and, and kind of salvages that year. Last year in the pandemic season, playing uh, an all-SEC schedule, I think it really pounded home how much of a gap there still was between Kentucky and the top teams in the SEC. They had to play Alabama. They had to play Ole Miss in games they weren't originally going to play. Uh, so that hurt them. But – uh, after the pandemic, it, it kind of helped in the long-term process in a while because you get the free transfer rule, which was so important to them. They've added six different uh, Division One transfers this year. Four of those guys are starters, including their starting quarterback, the SEC's leading receiver, and Wondell uh, Robinson, uh, maybe their best linebacker, and Jacquez Jones, who came from Ole Miss, and their starting left tackle, Dave Rosenthal, who came from LSU. So without those guys, they clearly wouldn't be in this position. They also really benefited from the extra year of eligibility that the NCAA gave a bunch of players. They've got, I think they've got eight or nine uh, super seniors, including five or six starters who are out there who are playing the next year. That's huge. And then clearly Mark Stoops has just recruited at a level and developed players that, you know, frankly, Kentucky fans aren't used to seeing for most of the last 20 years. And so that has been a really important part of this is they've turn guys who are unheralded recruits like Jamin Davis from you know Georgia into a first-round draft pick. They've got some of those players, and then they've got more highly touted recruits than they were getting four or five years ago who were able to contribute at an earlier age. So all those things kind of combine together to make this perfect storm in terms of a roster. How sustainable it is, I don't know, because so many of these guys are going to be gone at the end of the year. But for this one year at least, you know, they have a legitimate you know, SEC contender kind of roster. John, you mentioned Will Levis, and we were talking about him on the on our show just a little bit earlier before you came on, and uh, we were talking about him eating banana pills and putting mayo in coffee and every other weird thing that he might do. But yeah, you know, well, I guess a two-parter: how weird is he? But two, you know, how has he done since coming in and taking over at QB? Yeah, it's funny. You know, all the attention he's gotten for these viral TikTok video things, you know, paints him as this kind of strange dude. But in person and interacting with him, he's a pretty typical college football player. He's been very methodical and very um, 
he's made a concentrated effort to build his kind of social media following in the era of NIL. Uh, he was a business major at Penn State, so he had a lot of those things on his mind when he came here and that rule got passed and he knew that to make the most of his financial opportunities, he needed to build his profile. And I think the banana peel thing kind of surprised everybody. When he posted that video in the summer, it actually didn't get a ton of attention. It's just uh, when they were playing well after the first game of the year, somebody recirculated it on Twitter and it, and it went viral at that point. And because that one did so much, then he added the mayo and the coffee thing, which has got him more attention than it appears to just be his shtick. But you know, other than his viral videos, you know, there's a lot of substance to him as a player. I mean, he was great in the opener against Louisiana Monroe, and people thought maybe that Kentucky was going to have this kind of you know high octane passing game that they haven't had for several years. As they've played better opponents, you know, that part of it's come back to earth a little bit, and you know, they've kind of re-centered on their identity from the last five or six years as a you know a power run team. But the difference is, while Will Levis can make plays with his legs and, and do all the things that Terry Wilson was doing as their quarterback the last three years, he also has a really nice touch on the deep ball and has as much arm strength as any quarterback you're going to see in the country. The intermediate stuff, the short stuff, is not always super accurate, but he's really good at getting the ball down the field. So when you combine the ability to get some explosive passing yards out there between him and Wondell Robinson, who you know, 70% of his targets go to, with the success they've had running the ball for so many years now, that makes a nice offensive balance that they haven't had recently. I think Mark Stoops is in year nine at Kentucky. Um, obviously, probably an SEC Coach of the Year type season so far. Um, do you think he'll be coaching there in uh, 2022 or uh, when this coaching carousel cranks up? Is this a time for him to, to maybe uh, get the attention of uh, a school that, that might be more equipped to compete nationally uh, year in and year out? Yeah, I think obviously it, it has to do with what happens in the second half of the season. I mean, if they even if they lose to Georgia on Saturday, they're going to probably be favored in their last five games, but there are games in that stretch that they can lose. I mean, they play at Mississippi State, you know, play home against Tennessee, who looks much better than we thought maybe going into the year. Uh, they have Louisville in the rivalry game at the end of the season, and obviously that's always going to be a, a highly, you know, much hyped game. And so there's, I, I don't think it's out of the question that they could have a, a 2007 type year when Kentucky beat number one LSU, the eventual national champions, had college game day come to town the next week against Florida, lost, you know, kind of a close game to Tim Tebow in Florida, and then ended up losing four of their last five games and weren't even in the top 25 at the end of the year. That's that's within the realm of possibility, and if that happens, obviously he's going to still be here. But if they take care of business and they finish 10-2 and two or 11-1 and one and, you know, get a New Year's Six kind of bowl, it does feel like this might be the perfect storm year for him to get serious yeah, interest from some of those top jobs. His contract at Kentucky is so favorable. It's one of the best deals of any coach in the country. Uh, the, they've made so many investments in facilities and recruiting, and you know, there's talk of a new indoor practice facility coming soon. That Kentucky's not really the same caliber of job that its historic reputation is. I think it really only makes sense for Mark to leave for those top 10 or 15 jobs in the country where you can contend for a national championship every year. And obviously those are the jobs everybody wants. And before this season, I don't think he was a great candidate for those jobs because his offensive style has always been such that that's not going to really excite any of those fan bases. Bringing Liam Cohen in as a new OC from the Rams and uh, proving that he's willing to throw the ball, I think that makes him a better candidate. 
and then it seems like a few of these jobs who are both you know legitimate title contenders most years and either have ties to his Midwest recruiting. He's from Ohio. Obviously, Kentucky's built so much of their success recruiting there. So if you talk about Big Ten jobs, like let's say USC hires James Franklin, Penn State I think would be a job he'd have to take if he was offered. If Michigan and Jim Harbaugh you know, part ways eventually, that's a job he would have to take if he was offered. He's coached at both Florida State and Miami before, so he'd have to think about both those jobs. Uh, even USC, I don't think he would be a good fit in Hollywood at all in L.A., but you know he's got Pac-12 coaching experience. So it does feel like this might be the year that one of those jobs opens up that you know would entice him to leave. Does it? I mean, do coaches just not want to stay and build? So, I mean, the Mark Fuse of like Gonzaga say are, are few and far between. I mean, where you you stay and build something, you don't think he would, you know, take that or you know, uh, think about that and stay around for something he's built so well. I mean, I do think it is a legitimate reason to think about. I mean, he talks all the time about what his brother Bob did at Oklahoma. I mean, he was there for, I think, 12 years before he retired, and he could have coached for probably 12 more at that point. And so uh, that's a that's a point in Kentucky's favor for sure, especially with all the investment they've made. It's just a question of whether he wants to actually win a national championship. It's just so much harder to build one of those programs in football, especially in the SEC, than it is in college basketball. And so I, I, I wonder how much that kind of drives him. Uh, and this year, I mean, Kentucky's probably as good as they're ever going to be. The schedule is as favorable as it ever is going to be in the SEC East. So, I mean, if, if somehow they upset Georgia on Saturday and made it to the playoff, then argue, then you've proven that you could do it at Kentucky. I just don't know how you can rely on that every year, especially when so many of these players are going to leave at the end of the season, and then you have to wonder if can they go out in the transfer portal and get four more starters next year. Uh, all those guys who they got this year had ties to the staff or Kentucky previously. You know, Is that going to happen every year? That's, that's the question that I don't know that I have an answer to yet. Well, you mentioned he's throwing the ball more, but I mean, obviously, Chris Rodriguez, I think he's averaging 128 yards a, a game. Uh, is, is he maybe one of the more underrated uh, running backs? I, can, I guess, considering that he's at Kentucky, maybe doesn't get the uh, attention he might should. Yeah, absolutely. I wrote something before the season that, you know, he probably wasn't getting enough respect in the preseason all SEC voting. Uh, he wasn't really even mentioned in a lot of those teams. And um, I think a lot of that had to do with, for as much as he averaged seven yards a carry in his first three years here, but he had never started a game before the season, even though he was basically their feature back in the second half of last year. Uh, he still wasn't technically a starter. He also missed two games down the stretch with COVID stuff, so that didn't help his spotlight at all. But this year, I mean, he's got 100 more rushing yards than any other player in the SEC, and I don't think that most people would suspect that, you know, just based on the amount of talk he gets. The other part of it that's hurt his profile a little bit this year is early in the season, those first three games, fumbles were an issue. He had four fumbles across two games against Chattanooga and South Carolina. Two of them, uh, or sorry, Missouri and South Carolina, two of them uh, came in situations against Missouri where he was getting ready to cross the goal line and fumbled right beforehand. It wasn't he didn't drop it or anything. He just, you know, somebody knocked it out. So he lost two touchdowns because of fumbles. Kentucky actually only lost one of those three fumbles total because an offensive lineman recovered one of them, or two of them, and, and Rodriguez recovered one of his own. But that, and so much of the talk early in the year was whether he could get that fumble issue fixed. And he has the last two weeks. But I think that maybe detracted a little bit from what he was doing just from a pure statistical standpoint. This is Kentucky's only their second road game of the year. 
last the only one they played was 16 to 10 win at South Carolina. Um, you know, how will that factor in? Do you think in terms of uh, you know can Kentucky translate what they've done the last couple of weeks at home? You think to the road? Um, uh, you know, discounting the nature of the great opponent on either side. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly a factor. Um, obviously, the biggest factor is Georgia's just so good. So I don't know that it matters one way or the other. We'll see. But certainly Kentucky has fed off the energy at Kroger Field the last two weeks, two back-to-back sellout crowds. The Florida game was crazy in terms of it was so close the whole time that you know fans never really quieted. LSU's score was such that you know it was comfortable in the second half, so they got to sit down a little bit. But Florida had eight false starts in that game just because they couldn't hear their snap count. And obviously, that you know that many false starts means that Florida had probably bigger issues than just the noise. But it was a pretty clear evidence of what a crowd can do and how much that helped them win that game. Uh, South Carolina was really loud when they were down there. They had over seventy thousand people at that game. But it's obviously going to be 20,000 more this week in a different scenario altogether with the number one team and, you know, game day in town. And I'm sure Georgia fans are uh, just in generally excited about having the national title uh, leading contender this year. So I think it will be a factor. Um, I think the offense runs in a way and they seem to, to work with, you know, physical cues against South Carolina that they can handle that part of it. But if, you know, Georgia just got so many good players, if it's a situation where you're facing third and long all the time and, you know, you have a turnover early or whatever, I could see it getting out of hand and that the crowd's going to be a factor there. You, you mentioned the Florida, uh, what is this, two out of four years after losing 30 in a row or something? I mean, does Lexington feel like they uh, own Florida now? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, they snapped a 31-game losing streak uh, in Gainesville in 2018. Uh, this win was their first against Florida in Lexington since 1986. So, you know, they rushed the field and got to celebrate. Obviously, Florida was a top-10 team at the time, so it was a huge moment. But they've actually played Florida close pretty much throughout Mark Stoops' tenure here. Before 2018, so much of the talk was, like, near misses. There was a game his second year in 2014 when Kentucky was still not very good. Uh, they lost in three overtimes in Gainesville and arguably should have won if not for a, a no-call on a delay of game uh, on a fourth down for Florida in, in overtime. Uh, there was a game both of the last two years they played Florida in Lexington in 2017 and 2019. They had double-digit leads in the fourth quarter and blew both of them. So there's some of that anxiety coming down the stretch this year in, in that game. So they feel like that you know they can compete in that game every year. I, I don't think any Kentucky fan is ever going to be uh, brave enough to say they own Florida because of the historical record in that series, but they certainly think that they're on the same level right now. We haven't talked much about the defense, so I'll kind of wrap it up with uh, – I got a, a two-part question. One's about, going to be about basketball, so we'll get to that afterwards. But um, 17th in the nation in total defense, 19th in scoring defense. Um, you know, How do you see – that matchup against Georgia's offense, and then basically how does Kentucky keep this thing close where they have a chance to think about winning in the fourth quarter? Yeah, I mean, that's really Kentucky, I think's only hope this weekend. is that, I mean, I think they legitimately have a top 15, top 20 kind of defense in the country. Obviously, Georgia probably has the best defense in the country, so you know, even that might not be enough. But we've seen the script the last, what, two or three times they've played Georgia – uh, in terms of, I don't know that there was any moment in those games where you thought Kentucky was going to win, but mm-hmm. the score was pretty close. And so I think what has to happen is it's got to be a similar game to where the defense plays lights out. I mean, they were 
you know, really, really good against both South Carolina and Florida in terms of their very best performances. They're going to have to do that again, but they're also going to have to make the most of whatever few mistakes Georgia does make. They're going to have to get a couple turnovers that create short fields for the offense, and then if that happens, the offense has to take advantage of it. That was a problem a year ago where they got some turnovers and the offense still didn't get any points out of it. And, and I think there was one strip that Jamin Davis forced a fumble that would have gave him a short short yard situation and, and Kentucky couldn't recover the ball. I mean, if that happens, if you know, the, you know any of these passes hit defenders in the arms, which has you know, happened a few times this year and Kentucky players have dropped them, they've got to convert those turnovers and then take advantage of them on offense. But... I mean, I, I do think that Kentucky's defense is good enough that if Georgia, you know, has their injury issues and, you know, any sort of um, conservative game plan on offense, that this could be a game that would be in the 20s for Georgia or, or high 20s, low 30s. It's just a matter of whether Kentucky has any chance uh, to score that many points to hang with them, I think is my biggest question. I don't know if we can let the uh, Kentucky beat writer go without talking uh, one question about basketball. And since Severe Wheeler is now, uh, you know, a, a wildcat, wondering how he's fitting in with all the talent on uh, Calipari's roster and, and how kind of the Big Blue Nation has embraced uh, the former Georgia point guard. Yeah, it's such a weird situation right now because normally this would be prime, you know, basketball hype time, everybody getting excited for it. Uh, Big Blue Madness is Friday, their first, you know, the unofficial celebration of the the start of the year. Um, But I think the combination of the football team being so good right now and the basketball team going off its worst season in program history, arguably, has lessened some of the hype, and maybe there hasn't been as much talk about it. But we did, um, actually earlier this week, get an open practice that they let the media into, and Savir rolled his ankle at the end of that, uh, kind of limped off, and we don't have a great uh, inclination yet as to how serious that injury is. If he's going to be out for any sort of substantial time, maybe we'll get that next week or Friday at, at Big Blue Madness. We'll find out. But I do think he, just from the early returns, he's a player that you know Kentucky fans can get really excited about. I mean, if he leads the SEC and assists again, it's going to be a great situation. The interesting part for him and for Kentucky is so much of the emphasis for John Calipari and fans has been on improving their shooting, which has been a weakness, you know, most of the time of the Calipari era. They just had such good athletes that they could overcome it. So fans are really excited and focused on getting as many shooters on the floor at one time as possible, and obviously that's not severe strength. And so how does he factor in there? I think he's going to start at point guard for them, and they're going to play Ty Ty Washington, the freshman um, five-star point guard off the ball in the same way they did Tyrese Maxey here. Uh, but they've got a lot of options at point guard, and, and if he's not hitting shots consistently and if he's turning the ball over a lot, uh, his minutes, you know, would be a question pretty soon, and how he handles that, I think, is a, a fair storyline to follow uh, moving into the year. All right, John, uh, appreciate you joining us, and uh, should be an exciting Saturday in Athens. Uh, so uh, we'll uh, we'll see you at, uh, at the game, and appreciate you being here with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right, we thank John Hale from the Louisville Courier-Journal for joining us. Hey, Ryan, um, yeah. which uh, Georgia player are we excited to see make the semifinalist list for the Lombardi Award? Uh, none of them. Was that not a shock? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you got the number one defense. 
You, yeah. you think they just throw Jordan Davis I, on there? Just I thought for Jordan fun. Davis should have been there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, I don't know. Sometimes there's behind the scenes stuff you don't know in that. Like, Ooh. like no. What I'm saying uh, is that sometimes, like, does a school have to submit names and like, did that fall through the cracks? Like, you, you don't know what, what's going on. Uh, but you know, you'll see Jordan Davis on like the Benaric Award yeah, list or yeah. you know Nicobe Dean. Well, that, that's the thing. So what is that? It's it's the front seven basically. Anybody from the well, front it's an seven? offensive or defensive line. Oh, got you, got you. Or linebackers. Okay, so, so front talking, seven plus the. Uh, yeah. You think somebody? I mean, what about a? Uh, I don't know who Justin Schaefer or something like that. I mean, get thrown on there just because of uh, you know being number one ranked Georgia. Techie Smith played uh, for the first time, uh, you know, at Auburn, uh, mostly on special teams, uh, got some late defensive snaps. Um, how do you think he's going to fit in this defense? Is, is Latavius Brini going to lose some time at the uh, star nickel position? No, no. I, I mean, I, you know, is it, is it a situation where they ease him in and he plays a little bit, you know, maybe splits a little time? But, I mean, you think about Brini, did he not make the play at the back of the end zone the other day to, on the fourth down play? Yeah, he did. You know, I don't, I don't see Tyke coming in and just taking over. You know, he's not Wally Pippen, uh, Brainy or anything at the moment because uh, of his injury situation. I mean, so. Kirby, Kirby's made a point, you know, that these guys were battling for playing time, and so it wasn't clear that Brainy wasn't ahead of Tyke anyway. Right. Um, so, you know. I mean, all all Tyke has right now is the the what third team All American next to his name. He he hadn't. Well, I mean, he did start for a couple of seasons for Jamil Adai at, at West Virginia, Virginia right. so you know. He he clearly has a understanding of what his coach wants, and it's just a matter of, I mean, he didn't have as much talent around him, presumably, exactly, uh, in the secondary yeah. at West Virginia. Right, right. Um, A.D. Mitchell uh, had another touchdown, or I don't know if it was another. Is that his first or second? That was his second because okay. uh, he had his first on that deep pass where he celebrated with the, uh, Arch Manning. Remember that? Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it um, seems like, a, you know, Three targets in this game, two catches. Um, you know, we talked about guys uh, stepping up. You know, you know, obviously uh, playing off what he did in the spring game. Um, seems to be a big time target, big time magnet for PIs as well. Did Jermaine Burton play the other day? He did not. He's uh, had an injury. Uh, I believe it was a groin injury, maybe. I, I figured that was uh, one of the main reasons that Ladd uh, might have gotten a target or two more or an AD. Uh, and I knew I didn't hear his name uh, while watching the TV broadcast, and you were you were there, so figured you might have uh, had some insight there. Kentucky 270, not Kentucky, Auburn 272 passing yards. Uh, and that comes, no, I think they, they chunked up, uh, TJ Finley came in and had 55 like in the last minute or two, whatever it was. Could you tell Kirby was not happy with that timeout there uh, called by Auburn? I'm trying to remember. Was that a defensive timeout? Yeah, they called it defensive timeout. Yeah, is that why, so is that that's why, why they threw? Yeah. <laughs> I think he told Stetson, he was like, look, just throw it up. If we make the catch, then we make the catch. If it's an interception, it's like a punt. Yeah. But uh, let's hope we score. Well, here's the question I had. 272 yards passing, but Auburn had a bunch of drops. So now if you're, if you're dropping the ball, um, you know, you had a chance then to, to beat your guy almost and, and, and make the catch. I mean, is that concerning uh, that, you know, the secondary uh, you know, would have had worse numbers? No, no. I mean, to me, you had uh, Bo Nix running for his life, throwing up some passes where it was almost like a scramble, you know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, th those are kind of uh, iffy as far as, you know, you got to defend a little bit longer and stuff like that. I don't think anybody was coming wide open. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you got to credit that front seven for, for getting to Bo Nix and making him, uh, man, run for his life a lot on uh, on Saturday. 
All right, let's make our weekly picks. Uh, not a great week for me, but better, I think, than some other weeks. Went 6-8 and eight against the spread. Um, I think I'm now 37-42, and 42, which I think might be a game off of what you had. I must have missed a game at one point or another. Yeah, or either I uh, – I don't know. Maybe I missed one, but I was 5-9 and nine last week. All right. And, uh, What's your overall record? Yeah, I got myself at 39-43. and 43. Right. And uh, not breaking even in Vegas. All right, so the uh, the uh, competition for the uh, delicious steakhouse burger is close. Although I think I won this a couple of years. I don't know, sometime, and you'd still have never paid up, so I don't know. Didn't know. Uh, didn't, I don't think we peaky sweared on it or anything. <laughs> All right, here we go. Clemson is uh, favored by 13.5 at Syracuse. Um, Ooh. The, when is uh, that game? Is that a Friday nighter? Uh, sounds like one, but I don't. I don't. Syracuse, well, Syracuse seems like a staple of Friday night. Yeah. Um, by the way, the ACC just had their uh, basketball media days. SEC. Well, it was the women, right? No, the, the men and the women. Oh, did it? This is okay. Coach K's last one. Uh, SEC is uh, not doing one in person. They're just doing a. Uh, it's not even a virtual one. I think they're just kind of wow. going to the SEC Network studios and talking to the people there, and maybe they're doing some zooms. Who's representing the Bulldogs? I have not heard. No, I, I don't okay. know. Yeah. Um, all right, 13 and a half points. I'm going to say give me the orange. Uh, I'm, I don't have much confidence in Syri- uh, Clemson's offense. I think that they can clearly win the game up there, but maybe it feels like a 10-point win. Well, Syracuse always gives, even good Clemson teams, uh, a run for their money. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. So, give me Syracuse. All right, I'm let you pick this one since you uh-huh. seem to be copying my picks. Uh-huh. UCF is at Cincinnati. Bearcats are favored by 21 and a half points. Oh, um, Cincinnati, obviously a top five team. And, and they had a big, I mean, they impressed me by the win at Notre Dame. What are you doing? Give me UCF. That seems a little high. Gus, the Gus bus will, will go in there and put up a few points maybe, and uh, it'll be closer than 21 and a half. All right, I hate to agree with you, but I do. I'm taking, ah. the, taking the fighting Gus. Wait, was, it, was there a hook to it, or is it just 21 on the? 21 and a half. Okay, yeah. Auburn is at Arkansas. The Razorbacks are favored by four and a half. And I think that um, Sam Pittman's team will uh, end their two-game losing streak. They had a uh, shootout with Ole Miss. I know you didn't watch any of that game because you were at – or, or, or at not. least didn't see the end. But that was one of those things where it was, uh, you know, time for Georgia kickoff and that game was coming out to it. And I was like, you know, back and forth on the old dial. But uh, I missed the two-point conversion that Arkansas attempted. Taking the Razorbacks, giving four and a half. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Arkansas. All right, Florida's at LSU. The Gators are favored by 11 and a half. Ryan, what are you doing? Give me LSU. I, I just, you know, anytime they're in that house, and, uh, of course, Florida hadn't impressed, even though they beat Vandy 42 nothing the other day. I was listening to some of that first half, and they're still not impressive. I think uh, the Fighting Max Johnsons uh, from Oconee County High School keep it closer than, what was it, 11 and a half? It was 11 and a half. Um, I disagree with you. Auburn won at LSU two weeks ago. Uh, everyone is out for LSU. It seems like every day I, I hear about another guy that's gone for the season. They're opting out or they're, they're just injured. Mm. Not really opting out, but uh, everyone except for Max Johnson. How long until Ed Taking or- the Gators, giving 11 and a half. Until Ed Orgeron opts out. Or uh, is told to opt out. He won't be opting out. Yeah. Yeah, that might happen. <laughs> Give me LSU. Oklahoma State is at Texas. The Longhorns are favored by five and a half. Um, Oklahoma State, I believe, is an unbeaten. But I think uh, the Longhorns will uh, bounce back from their uh, blowing a lead against Oklahoma. And uh, maybe they ate a lot of fried food at the Texas Fair that day, and so they were a little bit uh, you know, out of sorts. I mean, that's one of those that – how do you bounce back from that? You had such a big lead, and then you blew it. But, uh, yeah, I feel like Texas at home uh, will we'll get it done. 
All right. Um, it is Nebraska at Minnesota. The Cornhuskers are giving three and a half. Ryan, it's uh, your turn to make that pick. Give me Minnesota. I know Nebraska's been playing a little bit better, but uh, Minnesota at home might be cold. Of course, Nebraska knows about cold, but I'm going to take Minnesota. Nope. Nebraska uh, gave Michigan a, a very good game, and uh, I think Scott Frost is you know still probably feeling the heat, but they're doing much better since they lost to Illinois to open the season. Yeah. Uh, I will take the Cornhuskers giving three and a half. Okay. I don't know what's going on if they're rowing the boat still in Minnesota or what's happening up there. Uh, Texas A&M is at Missouri. The Aggies are giving nine and a half, coming off an Alabama huge upset. Uh, and I feel like, given that scenario, they are just due for a fall, but they will not. The Aggies will cover the nine and a half. And I, uh, I swore to myself I'm not taking Missouri, no matter what the spread is, at all this season anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, uh, they have not look that great at times it's a perfect situation for a letdown at least as the line goes so but i mean you can't beat alabama and then go have a flopper at missouri so give me a m miami's at north carolina the tar heels are favored by seven and a half these are two disappointing teams this mm-hmm. season i will wait for my pick until ron makes his so unc is favored by seven and a half tar heels by seven and a half uh yeah give me unc i mean they flopped against uh, fsu last week um but you know I don't think Miami is any better than UNC, and UNC has a home field advantage, so give me the Tar Heels. Yeah, I'm taking UNC as well. All right, Vanderbilt's at South Carolina. The Gamecocks are favored by 18.5 points uh, in Williams-Brice Stadium. Uh, Vanderbilt coming off a 42-0 shutout by Florida, which means I'm taking the Commodores, getting the points. I'm not trusting South Carolina. just uh, got blown out at Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, I think Gamecocks are going to win, but it feels like a two-touchdown win. I'm going to take the Gamecocks. No, I'm not taking the game cast. I'm taking Vanderbilt, getting 18 and a half. Well, then I'll go the other way just because, I mean, this is a – you know that's a 4 o'clock game. So, I mean, will it get a rating above like .01 or anything? We'll do very well in Columbia, South Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Even Nashville will be tuned in to uh, Georgia, uh, Kentucky. I don't think Nashville's watching either of those games. Yeah, you're right. Alabama's at Mississippi State. The uh, Tide are favored by 17 and a half. Um you know, Alabama, how they do usually coming off these lo- losses. They don't yeah. have too many of them. I don't yeah. know what they do, but I'm taking the Tide. Uh, give me Bama, covering the 17 and a half. Um, I think Nick Saban's probably chewed their asses out all week. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Alabama, uh, you know, this is the time where they turn things around and, uh, and, and get back on the right track. Well, this is at Tennessee. The Rebels are favored by two and a half. Uh, it's a return of Lane Kiffin to Knoxville where uh, he walked after one year and he named his son Knox. Oof. You know. That sounds like a chipper naming his kid Shay or something. Is that, yeah, that's right. Uh, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Chipper dropped a foul ball the other uh, day. Yeah, E, e Chipper. Yeah. Um, by the way, how about them Braves, huh? Yeah, chop on, baby, into the NLCS. When it, when, now, don't they have another conflict with the Georgia game on Saturday? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what, I bet it's like an 8 p.m. No, game I don't though. think, isn't it like a 4? Oh, maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah, that sucks. I don't know. Um, anyway, I'm taking – give me the balls. Uh, getting two and a half at home, um, you know, uh, if they had Arch Manning, it might be different. But uh, huh. Now, give me the balls too because I feel like they uh, – I think they're playing really well. I think that's a scary game for Georgia here in a couple of weeks when they have to go up to Tennessee. And uh, Ole Miss, I mean, can they stop anybody? You, you know, Josh Heupel's got that – Offense rolling pretty good at Tennessee. So it might have another shootout on our hands. All right, we'll close it out with Kentucky at Georgia. 
We've already talked about this game a lot with John Hale, and um, Bulldogs are favored by 22 and a half. Um, I have I went with uh, Georgia with the points last week. They served me well. They're back home where they uh, was a 37 nothing against Arkansas. Um, I think the fact that Kentucky has – I mean, you went to South Carolina and you won by, like, less than a touchdown. Um, you're coming off back-to-back big wins over LSU and Florida, and you're walking into uh, quite an environment against an incredible Georgia defense. And, um, you know, these games have been kind of close like that in terms of uh, – when they're, when they're a rain game a couple of years ago here. Yeah, Jake Fromm couldn't throw the football. Remember that? I mean, you know, why do you need to bring him up? That that's you're you're hurting his feelings by he saying that he couldn't throw the football. <laughs> that's and uh, it, what was it zero zero at halftime? Is that right? Is that my recollection? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm thinking a, a big game on the ground, uh, some some more timely play action passes, maybe a defensive score. Give me the Bulldogs to cover it. Feels like a thirty one to ten. No, that wouldn't cover it then. Feels like a thirty four to ten game. <laughs> like, uh, just like last week. Wait, huh? that was last week's score. Something like that. Uh, I'm taking Georgia. I'm taking uh, giving the points and. Uh, Bulldogs win. Well, see, I think – well, I think that's uh, going to be the case. But, you know, last week I said I'm not going to pick against Georgia or Alabama the rest of the year. Well, Alabama then, you know, shows us up, or at least Texas A&M did. I just feel that, you know, and I think the rest of America is feeling like I am, that Kentucky will keep this a little closer. I mean, it's, I think it started out as a 24-and-a-half spread. Now it's down to 22-and-a-half. So I think America's feeling like I am pushing that down. So I see it more as a – 27 to 10 game or 31 10 game like you said and uh georgia wins pretty easily but that line is just too high for uh for what i think is a better team than arkansas that came in here a couple weeks ago hmm. arkansas was playing very well at the time so yeah interesting we'll see uh we uh it's an off week next week it's a bye week but that you know what is. i feel like we'll be back with the podcast anyway yeah let's do it We'll talk. Uh, we'll talk more about the Bulldogs. Who could be our guest? Let's get somebody big. Probably will probably be a guestless show since there's not a game. Oh man! We'll see. We'll I play think it by we ear. Bring somebody big on. Maybe uh, you yeah, know. We'll see. We'll we'll work our magic. Uh, everyone, thanks for uh, listening and uh, give Ryan a five star review. Just go to the comments and say what a great job he does. How it's a uh, beautiful listen because of his uh, the buttons he pushes in the studio here, and uh, you know. I guess what I'm told is that if you give it a good review, more people can find the podcast. Yeah. And uh, just... Uh, I mean, we are the number one podcast in uh, Georgia Bulldogs. Number one ranked podcast <laughs> in this studio. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everyone. Have a great weekend. See ya. See ya. So, John, question. With Auburn firing Gus Malzahn, it leaves Ed Ogeron as the SEC's only coach who has beaten Nick Saban. Who's going to be the next SEC coach to beat Saban? Well, I don't think he'll be the guy that a lot of people think he will be. Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M. I like Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. He almost beat Saban last year, and he almost beat Saban when he was at Tennessee. Fisher promised he was going to thump Saban's rump whenever Alabama comes to College Station. I think he's got a shot. He improved Texas A&M to 9-1 last year. He's got a national championship 
championship to his name. If Haynes King is the real deal, he's got an early opportunity in October to beat Nick Saban. Look at Saban's track record for losses. It's usually to a great quarterback, Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel, or Joe Burrow. Matt Corral at Ole Miss, I think, could be the best quarterback in the league. I'm Blake Topmeyer, and this is SEC Football Unfiltered, a new podcast from the USA Today Network. Each week, we'll discuss the hottest topics that matter to the passionate fan bases of the SEC. I've covered the SEC for eight years. As for my co-host, longtime sports columnist John Adams, let's just say he's got a few decades on me. Not as many decades as some people think. Contrary to popular opinion, I did not cover General Neyland, but I did interview Bear Bryant and I interviewed Nick Saban, and I covered Archie Manning and Peyton Manning. More insightful interview, John. Bear Bryant, Archie Manning, Steve Spurrier, or Johnny Majors? Gotta go with Steve Spurrier there. He's the great quipster. SEC Football Unfiltered debuts this summer. Let John and I be your tour guides from the season opener through the national championship. Subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts.